You're listening to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography, design, creativity, and more, with your hosts, Dave Clayton and Alan Hess. Welcome to another edition of He Shoots, He Draws, and tonight it's a very special one because it's our first guest to actually be on the show three times. And if anyone was going to do it, it was only going to be this person. He's a young upcoming photographer (laughs) from America. Um, He's doing okay so far, but we thought we'd speak to him tonight and see if he's made any progression since the last time we spoke to him. So welcome, Joe McNally. (laughs) Hey, you guys, how you doing? We're good, we're good. We, uh, Actually, it's a good description because no matter where you are in this career of photography, you're always sort of up and coming, right? Yeah. You're always kind of trying to figure it out. You're still working. You're still, yep. you're still trying new things all the time. But uh, we're here mainly to address the accusations of abuse and mental mental torture on uh, Brad Moore. So we'll... <laughs> 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 those wounds are self-inflicted yeah. <laughs> brad brad said just throw him under the bus as hard as you can <laughs> no we spoke to we spoke to brad on saturday and i said oh, it's really cool that we never planned this that we have brad saturday and, and you today so you you got spoke well of on saturday it was all it was all good last but tonight we just really wanted to catch up with you because obviously none of us have seen each other for for a good while now and uh whilst we can all kind of follow each other alan and i are chatting all the time and doing the podcast and we can obviously see what you're up to on social media and even to this day i still get a kick when i get a notification that says joe mcnally liked your photo (laughs) as stupid as it may be Um, cool you know i miss you guys too i mean you're both talking to me here three of us are chatting and you guys are in two places that are among my favorite in the world the UK and San Diego, you know, and I haven't been on an airplane since March 15th of 2020. And that's the longest time I've not been on an airplane for 40 years. Wow. Wow. Well, well, let's, I mean, tonight I wanted to really sort of catch up with you and see sort of how, how 2020 really affected you because, you know, you do travel the world. You are, you know, constantly your speciality is to be around people and get the best out of them. So going back to like the start of the that pandemic when it all started to leak out, did you already start sort of preparing and expecting what could happen or did it hit you like a steam train and you were like, oh crap, can't go anywhere? Yeah, I think a little bit of the latter, you know, um, Annie predictably uh, was smarter and more pragmatic in the early rumblings than I was because um, I was on the road, I came home on March 15th, so that's 75 days into 2020. And at that point I had traveled 62 of them. Wow. And at, I was in Romania and um, I called Annie, you know, and she said, this thing is getting bad. I said, well, I don't know, honey, I, if I come home, I could maybe, I'm traveling home, I could put you at risk. I don't want to do that. So maybe I should just stay on the road I'll go back to Japan because I had a a big project slated for Japan. And then that would lead into the Tokyo Olympics. And Annie just put her foot down and she said, come home now. They're going to close off the country. Come home now. So I got on the next flight and uh, a little bittersweet too, because it was probably the last time in my life I'll fly on a 747. Yeah. Um, I flew a, um, a KLM 747 out of Amsterdam and the pilot said the was the last flight. It was about to be retired. 
and there's just not that many of them in the air anymore, you know? So I landed at JFK and then I, you know, I was foolishly saying things like, well, you know, they're, they're going to have the Olympics. <laughs> Come on. They're going to have to have the Olympics. None of that happened, you know? So we just hunkered down and we uh, kind of made our bubble and I mean, this silver lining, right? A lousy year professionally, to be sure, for everybody personally. I mean, health-wise, I mean, just knocked us all sideways. Personal silver linings. I've been home, and Annie and I have had dinner every night for, you know, a year and two months. You know, so it's that's pretty wonderful. And she still loves you. And she still loves you. <laughs> Is miraculous. <laughs> yeah, there were there were there were moments when um because i work i've worked at home for years but my wife has always gone off to the library you know um and there were moments in the first couple of months when we were both trying to uh, navigate you know this work schedule i'm so used to just kind of you know wandering in and out of my office and when i get like you know oh i just get up and i'll just wander around the house and i tend to when i'm on the phone i tend to walk from my office all the way to the end of the backyard and back i just I like to pace and um, that's not really conducive to someone else sitting in the middle of that working. And I would, I would walk by her like on the seventh lap around, she would just look at me like, could you go sit down somewhere? Could you go outside? You know, like, like you now have a, a person at, in the house. The dogs can't just follow you around the whole time. You have to, you know, learn how to, you know, navigate. And uh, since we kind of, did that um she's absolutely loved working at home it's it's she's gotten way more done i mean i would love to say i got more done but i didn't have much to do to begin with so there wasn't a whole lot to get done um but the whole concept of like sitting and, and like being able to make your own schedule and not being you know spending two hours on the on the road each day you know being stuck in traffic and and dealing with a lot of stuff has been really productive um yeah. Uh, on the other hand, not having stuff to shoot means uh, I literally didn't pick up my camera for like a month at one point, and it felt very odd and very like my creativity seemed to like ebb out, like it was gone, like there was no reason. I didn't find there was a reason to pick up my camera and take a photograph, and I sure. think it was the longest period I'd ever gone without shooting something. Just yeah, you know. Um, but I'll bet I'll bet your dogs are the happiest they've ever been. Oh, like my dogs think, at home. <laughs> yeah, all the time. They, they look at us now when we, you know, when we've started to go out and like, I, I worked three nights out of four last week, which was crazy. We had this opera going on and they looked at me when I left the house at like seven o'clock at night, like, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> where, <laughs> where do you think you're going? And why aren't we going with you? Because we've literally taken them everywhere we go now. So they're going to be in for a really weird adjustment period if my wife ever actually goes back to work. She's trying to figure out a way to turn this into flex time full time. So yeah, that she doesn't have to work, you know, uh, out of the house. Um, have, have you had that kind of feeling, Joe, of obviously you were traveling 62 days out of 75. You've now been at home for over a year. As part of you kind of thought, actually, I'm quite enjoying this not traveling or are you like champing at the bit to get back out there and get on a plane again? No, I, I, I really, it's been a, um, a wonderful awakening, you know, it's just how cool it is to be home, you know, and have a bit of normalcy and, 
you know, I realize I'm going to have to get back in the saddle and travel again because that's the way, a, you know, a, a photographer oftentimes makes a living, you know, if, if you're moving around. So that, there's that, you know, it's going to come around again. But uh, I've just been so happy being home. And the result of that is, you know, I, I've been able to dive into my own studio. And I actually, for the first time, and this is going to sound strange, in many years, I actually know where things are. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. I've thrown out a lot of stuff. We've re-geared a lot of stuff, uh, you know, because I had always had a first assistant, you know, and so my job at the studio is to make calls, deal with clients, you know, get work, write proposals. And then Callie, who was with me for 10 years, his job was to handle the gear, organize the studio, this and that. So that's now all on me because Callie left before the pandemic hit, he, um, you know, son of a gun, he fell in love, oh. he got engaged and he moved to Virginia. He's got the love of his life, which I'm very happy for him, you know, but he, he kind of said, you know, it's time. And, and so he left in December of 2019. And then of course the pandemic rolled forward. And so it's kind of all been on me and it's stressful, but uh, on a certain level, but it's also been really enjoyable. If you still, so it's you and Annie at home, but you also had your assistant, didn't you? Have, uh, isn't there a lady that runs? Lynn, it, yes. Lynn, yeah. Yeah, sure. Lynn is um, our, she's the studio manager, but sometimes I refer to her as the studio magician. You know, she's, um, we've been together. Lynn has been working with me now for almost 30 years. And so we had to go into, we're, she's still with the studio. But we went into a different mode of working. Again, this remote thing. She, um, during the height of the pandemic, Annie and I were by ourselves. But now that we're all vaccinated, uh, and Lynn will come in once a week. So again, referencing what Alan was saying, Lynn has lost that commute. You know, it's a, you know, hour and a half. You know, all told, you know, forty-five minutes each way. Yeah. Gas, all that stuff. Wear and tear on the car. And we're able to work quite effectively on a remote basis. I think that's the good thing is we, we were saying the other day is the, the kind of skills we've learned about ourselves and our business and the way we work over the past year has had some positivity because, you know, the way the way you do things, because we've had to adapt, you've now got a contingency plan. You know, should anything ever happen, we now all know how to operate with not you know not being able to travel or not having you know not having people around you um yeah alan was saying alan was saying off air because we've been obviously you've been doing the blog posts and keeping the website updated amongst other things which we'll talk about uh, but he said how does joe just pull those images straight out of out of the archive how does he know which images to pick so is that one of the jobs you've been doing is just kind of archiving and and just sorting your back catalog out and all the old shoots yeah, um, I, I, it's been a, a labor of uh, love mixed with astonishment, mixed with horror. You know, when I go back into the archive and see just how much garbage I've produced oh. in 40 years of shooting. Um, and Annie, of course, is, is amazingly organized in terms of the, you know, she, she runs the social media side of things here. You know, I do all the writing, but she schedules things. She really you know, establishes patterns and, um, you know, a direction and a plan, an overall plan, because, you know, 
I never had a plan, plan, you know, <laughs> you know, you know? Um, and uh, so that's that's works really well. But yeah, I've been I've been keeping my lab kind of busy because I found things that you know hadn't looked at in years, and I've got them scanned. Um, it, it actually helped us survive financially last year because I had I spent a considerable amount amount of time with Donald Trump and a fair bit of time with Joe Biden. And I hadn't looked at those takes in forever. And so I had a whole bunch of stuff um, scanned and the, um, the DNC, the Democratic National Committee bought a whole bunch of it. Uh, oh, wow. one, you know, just rights for, you know, temporary rights license uh, until the actual election day. And they bought that stuff throughout the summer. They bought large blocks of, of images, uh, historical images of Joe Biden. And they actually bought some stuff of Donald Trump for um, oppo um, <laughs> kinds of uh, usages, you know, because I had some, uh, some, you know, uh, <laughs> things where Donald didn't look the best, let's put it that way. Yeah. You know? So, and, and anyway, um, uh, that, you, also, you also got the Hillary Clinton uh, author photo, I think, when one of her books came out, because <laughs> I remember like my Twitter feed was suddenly like, Hillary Clinton's thanking Joe McNally for photo. I'm like, you know, my head was a little bit like, what happened? Um, <laughs> like, yeah, well, it's, it's about, you know, the length of, of time you're in the business. You know, you have, you develop relationships. And so I, I've, I've known Barb Kinney forever. She's a wonderful photographer based on the West Coast now. Um, but she was Hillary's photographer, photographer for many years during um, her time as Secretary of State and during the Clinton administration. And Barb, just by quirk of schedule, couldn't make it out to shoot the picture Hillary needed. It was actually Hillary and Chelsea for a book they did together. And so she tapped me and said, you know, Clinton's office called me and said, you know, you, you should do this, you know, we want you to do this. And so tip of the hat to Barb for recommending me. And now Hillary likes the picture so much, she's used it on two books. So wow. cool enough. You know, right. you know, and uh, and she's a lovely lady, you know, um, uh, easy to deal with, funny. I, I had a fillboard underneath of her. You guys are like this. I had a fillboard um, that gave her a really nice kind of glowy sort of light. And uh, she looked at my LCD and she goes, oh, my God. She goes, can I walk around all day with one of these? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, absolutely, Madam Secretary. A little low light makes everybody look good. Yeah, and I'll carry it for you. And here's my hourly rate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So have you? I mean, obviously you've been at home. Have you picked up the camera? Have you found anything to do? Because a lot of people we've spoken to have all kind of said, "Well, yeah, being at home." Like we spoke to Katrine Eisman, and she was saying, "Yeah, I've just been experimenting. I got my camera. I saw this. I thought I'd try that." Have you actually picked the camera up in anger? Um, to try and shoot anything given that you can't go out anywhere? Sure, we, we did, um, you know, I mean, I got a little desperate in the first few months. I actually took two of the pro photo little C1s. <laughs> I, I put them in my mailbox. <laughs> so there was a glow inside my mailbox and then Annie did this little video of me um, of like, I was, uh, going on about well maybe there's it's glowing so maybe there I won the sweepstakes <laughs> you know <laughs> thankfully that was never published that never saw the light of day I was a desperately bored photographer at that moment 
Um, but yeah, no, we've done a couple of production things. Uh, we did um, uh, a job last year um, uh, for Nikon, and then we did uh, a teaching stint with uh, Scott Kelby on Flash. Yeah, where I, I was in a studio in Connecticut. He was down in Florida. Um, you know, doing all the online streaming stuff. The technology is beyond me, uh, but they worked it out really well. Uh, being on location with a crew is got a whole set of challenges now. We we have had to. Um, there's there's a, an official position now for lots of crew efforts where you have you bring on a COVID compliance officer, and that you know person observes you and uh, distributes you know. Uh, the hand sanitizer takes temperatures, um, you know, sort of controls the set from that perspective. Uh, no more catering, no more, no more craft services table. Everything is ordered in advance. Your name is on a box. You eat separately, you know, et cetera. So it's a whole different wrinkle, a somewhat expensive wrinkle because it adds to your logistics and your costs. Mm -hmm. uh, so we haven't done that much work, but we've done, um, you know, I was talking to another photographer, um, you know, and, and the expression we both use, we, we've done enough to kind of keep the lights on, you yeah. know, right. um, and, uh, and things are starting to breathe again. Uh, we've got a couple of workshops, first in-person workshops slated for New York City, very modest, you know, not traveling anywhere, but in-person workshops in June. Yeah, I saw and, that on your website. And uh, two weeks, we added a second week because the first week sold out immediately and the second week is almost sold out. So people are kind of, you know, I don't know about you guys, but you know, I'm hearing a lot like people are kind of champing at the bit. They want to want to oh. get out with the camera, maybe travel. Yeah, you know. I mean, oh, there's going at them. Oh, there's no doubt. People are are like craving the human contact. I'm just, we did the opera in the parking lot this last week, or it's actually going on this week right now in San Diego, and just being around. The security guards and the other people that I used to see on a you know three four times a week and hadn't seen them in a year, um, and we're all you know sitting and chatting and talking about how we just you know can't wait to have crowds back, and then in the back of our heads we we have this little nagging like how much PTSD are we going to experience when we are standing in a room and there's you know ten fifteen thousand people like. How is that going to feel? Because for a year now, we've been around two people or three people, you know, or the my biggest crowd is when I, you know, avoid people at Costco, <laughs> doing, you know, doing the weekly stock up. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, in a few months, we're looking at the California looks to open up in a month or two, and they're going to like really open up and just remove all the restrictions. And at that point, you know, it's going to be very odd being around 10,000 fans in a, you know, at an event. Um, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like to feel people sitting right behind me again, <laughs> or, you know, right, like the, someone breathing on the back of my neck is going to feel very um, disturbing uh, for the first little while. Um, so. Yeah, sorry, I broke into your bedroom that night. <laughs> <laughs> you too, yeah. Holy. <laughs> yeah, Dave's not allowed to stay here anymore. Um, that was... <laughs> the end of that but it's it's a no i mean like there's this dual thing where i'm really excited to be out and around and talking to people i haven't seen and interacting and i'm looking forward to you know i don't travel anywhere near what either one of you guys do um but i'm looking forward to hanging out with people again and in the back of my head i'm also shit scared of hanging out with people again because 
you know, the news is not always great. We get, you know, California's this dichotomy. We're like, hey, we've got the lowest cases in the country. And then you flick the channel over and it's like India had 7 million people get, you know, infected yesterday. And you're, it's like, oh, and, you know, half the people here have decided they don't really want the second shot or they're not going to get the first shot. And, you know, it's like this hair pulling, head banging thing going on. And I just, um, so I'm, I'm really torn between can't wait to be out and see everyone again and wanting to, you know, board over the front door with <laughs> two by fours and, yeah. I want to stay away. <laughs> I mean, I've sort of trusted the science a little bit because, yeah, I love traveling. I mean, because I'm over here and all my friends, like most of my friends, probably 90% of my industry friends are in America th through whichever event it may be, whether it's a Davy Max or Photoshop World or a design conference. And, and I remember at the very beginning, it was a couple of days before the photography show was due to go live so it was like march 2020 all set up we geared up we've got all the guest booked everything and i think i think it was two days before the show they cancelled it um now it looks like it could be back on in september but as that shut down it was like i was thinking oh that's okay i've got an event in columbus georgia uh, at the end of March, that'll be fine. I'll do that one and then probably like stay at home. And then like it's each day and each week went by, it was like each event was just closing down, closing down, closing down. And then you're starting to see people on social media who rely on those events for business are all of a sudden being crap. Where's my income coming from? This event's closed down. So now like I, I mean, I've had one vaccination because the other thing that was really weird is here the the lockdown has been fierce you know i i'm sitting on facebook watching friends go to comedy clubs and up to a couple of weeks ago i wasn't even allowed to drive out of the city that i live to go and visit my mum we could be fined for for, for unnecessarily traveling and going to places so it's like as as each place is opening up it's so weird that in that one year how conditioned we've been become to react to certain things like so now when you see someone without a mask you're kind of <gasps> and then if i see people socializing on, on social media at an event i'm like how could all those people be together but if i could go to an event tomorrow i'd do it in a heartbeat but obviously under safe conditions i wouldn't go unsafely but i do really miss the traveling i do really miss being amongst people yeah it's true it's going to be uh an interesting um kind of mental hill to climb you know or get over um it was interesting there's a guy who writes a very uh interesting column in the new york times and he cited the example i, I just pulled it up you know um he said you know if 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 God were to come down and offer this wondrous invention to society, but in return, God would choose like a thousand people to die, would you make that deal? And everybody in his class said, no, no, we wouldn't do that. And then he said, well, what's the difference between that and the automobile? You know, because this great gift is given to you. And like, I forget the, about 40,000 people die in the United States from automobile accidents. So you, you get to a point where you start to weigh things like, Am I just being irrational here? Like that person I'm next to is probably fine. I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, like, 
yeah, it plays with your head. It really plays with your head. And I thought that was a really cool example to offer a class. Like, okay, you know, you want this, but you get this, um, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's gonna be a, a slow process. And Annie and I have maintained a really pretty um, severe bubble because uh, Annie is the primary caregiver for her mom. Right. Who's in, who's in frail health, you know, and, and it, you know, when, and, you know, we just not gonna even take the slightest risk. But yeah. slowly, like this, this week on Wednesday, I have a shoot with a friend of mine, uh, unpaid kind of thing. It's for my book. And uh, um, we've stayed friends and Annie and Rita are dear friends. And Rita's been, you know, came to our wedding. And I met Rita uh, as an uns unseen, you know, um, from a casting card for a model situation I did in the 80s. Wow. And here we are still friends. So I kind of, I write a story in the book about having a relationship and maintaining a friendship and all of that. So she's agreed to pose for me, you know, very special occasion. She doesn't pose for folks anymore on a friend's terrace this coming Wednesday afternoon. And so little by little, you know, um, you know, uh, just starting to breathe again. Well, let's talk about the book because I was going to say, you know, with that time at home, one of the, one of the great opportunities is it's the best time to write a book um, unless you need to go out and get photographs for it. But what, how did that come about? Because you've, you've already got books out there, which are, you know, best selling and re renowned amongst photographers. What's this one about? Well, it's been a long time um, since I, I've done a book. So, and uh, I'll just cite along with Alan, our, our friends at Rocky Nook, uh, Ted Wade has been my editor and Scott Callan and, um, I, I've kind of had, you know, not kind of, I've had a contract to write a book with them for the last six years. Very patient with me. And you've not even had an email off Ted yet saying, uh, Joe. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I started to bear down and I'm at 60,000 words. And so we're in the home stretch and uh, it's slated to come out in October, November time. Oh. And Ted's pretty happy with, with the writing. So that's a good sign because he's a terrific editor. And um, yeah, it's gonna be called um, The Real Deal, um, Field Notes from the Life of a Working Photographer. And I don't really pull punches. I'm pretty honest uh, about, you know, the ups, the downs. I'm honest about my poor performance, uh, you know, in certain areas, you know, things that I screwed up, things that I should have done better, uh, you know, and it kind of a, starts a little bit uh, biographical in the sense that I start with my arrival in New York City, which absolutely nobody cared about, just, you know, but I was like, here I am, big city, going to be a Just photographer. And, <laughs> and, and you can imagine what happened afterwards. Mm -hmm. Not much, you know, a lot of uh, toil and trouble and travail and, and uh, angst and failure and all that sort of stuff. But that's part of the grist of the life of a photographer. I was going to say, it must be quite a reflective, cathartic thing when you're looking back at your body of work and, and you as a person and how you behave and putting it down on paper to to like revisit those experiences because whenever I speak to photographers of you know of any nature 99% of the time I will mention you and it will purely be 
about hard working, about relationships and hard working. It's like I always say, but look at, you know, look at Joe. Joe doesn't just sit at home and do nothing and have money come rolling in. Joe's traveling. He's working hard. He's grafting. He's putting the effort into not just his craft, but his relationships and maintaining friendships. And if you look at all the friendships he's made along the way, you know, your your address book must be, you know, this big because <laughs> because people love you. You know, it's uh, apart from Brad, you know, Brad. Yeah, just never... <laughs> well, he's ne he's never gotten over the fact that I that I, I actually lost him uh, in a card game with uh, Scott. Um, you know, you know, he, I threw him into the pot, you know, I said, well, you know, you can have Brad. And I lost. I had a bad hand, you know, yeah, and Scott uh, lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so Brad's never really gotten over that you know? but it, that's a wonderful thing like there's Brad you know and uh you know we met years ago he worked for me and he was he was like a, a baby you know um came out of Tennessee and I, I think he had barely kind of been on an airplane really he hadn't been out of the country that kind of thing and just a really good-hearted guy hard-working guy he learned the craft and here he is now he's married he's a dad you know you know it's um i mean you, think so you, you see that growth it's wonderful yeah you've had brad drew and callie really mm -hmm. the three that i know that you've had and yep. i mean brad and drew definitely have gained so much so much experience from working with you do you do you kind of get emotionally it's going to sound like a really cheesy question but when when you're working with someone like that and then you get someone new come along so I think like you had Brad first and then Drew replaced Brad and then Callie mm -hmm. replaced Drew. What's that like as kind of being the boss that, you know, you've trained this person and then you've either got to train the next guy who's got to get used to you. Yeah. Is... Well, you know, the main thing is they, they never talk. <laughs> <laughs> they, they never write. You know, those bastards. I gave them everything. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's it's a wonderful process, you know. Um, like Drew left here, and and uh, you know he's really um, Drew is you know really really organized about what he wanted to do professionally, and and it shows. He's really made great strides. He's got good clients. You know the pandemic, you know, knocked us all kind of sideways, but he's coming back, and uh, he's you know he's got a. Uh, steady client with masterclass he's accessing celebrities he's doing really lovely work so i'm very you know the, the thing i feel most is pride you know i was going to say you must feel proud to to see kind of your pro proteges um whatever they're doing whether, whether it's work or life and and the fact that they all still speak so highly of you despite everything um <laughs> <laughs> despite the losses you know it's... <laughs> But it is it is so nice that, you know, I, I can remember like coming to Photoshop. Well, now I think we've spoken about this in a previous episode when we've interviewed you. But I mean, I, I can always remember the first time I used to come to Photoshop World. And I think it took me like f four years before I even summoned up like to come and talk to you. Because it's like, that's Joe McNally. <laughs> and, and there's a photograph of you and me in, I think it's Atlanta. And I happened to be sat with Pete Collins and you were sat there and I kind of sided up and went, oh, Joe, is there any chance I could have a photograph with you? And you, you know, as you always do, you smile. We took the photograph and I, and, and I, I saw it the other day. And then 
I remember it's Photoshop. Um, it was the photography show, the first photography show you did when you came over, and I came in and sat at the front, and 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 again, I still hadn't really spoken to you, and I messaged Scott Kelby and said, oh, "I'm here at the photography show. I'm just about to watch Joe. Not that I know anything about photography, but to be honest, I'll watch him talk about concrete." And uh, and Scott said, "Are you going to go and speak to him afterwards?" And I was like, "No, Joe doesn't know me." So Scott texts you and then afterwards you came out and you came up to me and, and Callie was with you as well. And you came up to me and spoke to me. And, uh, and that was that was just one of the nicest days, one of the nicest memories I've got of how that relationship works, where you become involved with something and then kind of that trust and relationship. And I love now that we can just chat and text and message and sure. uh, and I'm proud to say, you know, Proud to say, I know Joe McNally. It's it's just a well, really nice nice thing to to call your friend. Yeah, the reverse is true as well. You know, look at the three of us. We're all chatting here, no pretense, no nothing. You know, we're a bunch of you know just guys with cameras. You know, and doing our thing. So, I mean, the the keynote to me, the the truly valuable thing about being a photographer and being involved in this industry is the community you know, uh, and the sharing of that community. And, and I always hark back, I probably sound like a broken record, but I had a lot of mentoring when I grew up photographically. And the, <laughs> one of the few beautiful things about being as old as I am is that when I was a kid and I would go up and get my first assignments from what was then Time Life, you know, the, the smaller magazines like Discover and Money, mm -hmm you'd still get a chance to go up to the 28th floor, which was the photographer's floor. And you could pull out film or borrow a lens or this and that, they had the locker up there. That was where all the photographers had their offices. And so you'd walk down the hall and you'd, you know, you'd be passed by Alfred Eisenstadt. You'd sit in the coffee room and listen to Carl Minans and Ralph Morse, just chat, you know? It was like Christmas. Yeah, and yeah. so you would learn from them and they would teach you things. And certainly the wire services editors and the newspaper editors I work for taught things somewhat fiercely, you know, um, but <laughs> you would be mentored and you would learn. And that to me is just the path of this industry is to offer back, you know, uh, help along, do what you can. You know, um, this isn't an industry that's based on secrets. There are no secrets, really. No, exactly. Yeah. We've said in lots of interviews that thing of like, obviously, when you started back then, there was a time I said it was like when you're doing an exam at school and the kid next to you's got his arm over his paper and like, oh, how did you? Sh how did you? I'm not telling you. That's my secret. If I tell you, I'll lose all my work. Whereas now we're in a world where it kind of second nature to, to share. It's like, why wouldn't you share and go to workshops and, and do, you know, go out on the street with a group of people and problem solve. And that's one of the things as well that you, that is good is you're not just kind of regimental, put this here, put that there. And that's what we're going to do. You love experimenting. You love problem solving and, you know, and keeping, keeping the subjects happy and comfortable at the same time. I think that's one of the absolute key things about watching you teach Joe, because I've seen you teach a lot, like Photoshop World's a great example. We did a bunch of them together and I would just come and sit in the back of the class like again and again and again. And people were like, you've seen him do this. I'm like, yeah, but it's going to be different. What are you talking about? Well, because it's a different room, it's a different people, something is going to go wrong. 
he's going to fix it. It's going to be different. And when I got some clients later on, especially some corporate clients that I'm working in the background and they would come to me and be like, oh, we need a group shot of those 24 people who are right now having lunch at noon. So let's do that right outside here. <laughs> my brain goes literally in my head. I'm like, that's going to suck. How would Joe deal with this? Like, and I'm flipping back to that mental Rolodex of he did a group thing. It was inside. It was in a bad conference room. Uh, let's take it out in the hallway where we can get some window light and add a speed lighter. To, you know, like literally the problem solving part of it and how you worked through it and did it out loud in front of people, like with all the bad stuff and the good stuff and what ended up working and what didn't work is the stuff that I then started trying to do myself found out two very important things. A, I'm not Joe McNally. <laughs> speed lights don't listen to me like they listen to you. It's like, I, I speak English, you speak speed light. It's different languages. The speed light whisperer. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, and but the second part was that that mental attitude saved my ass way more often than not, because in the end, I would come up with a shot that worked. Mm -hmm. Maybe it wouldn't have been what I would have thought about when I woke up that morning going in, but I didn't know I was going to do it that morning going in. So there was no planning involved. They were suddenly throwing things at me. And without having that like nimble mental Rolodex to call from, like what would someone else do? I would have been lost. So the idea that you can learn from other people, not like, yes, it's aperture, shutter speed and ISO. The cameras really haven't changed. Those three things are going to be pretty much it. It's the how you deal with the other stuff. And I think that's what is being shared more now. And I think that's what people need to pay attention to more. I mean, it's it really helped save me a lot. Um, and we'll go back to the first time I saw you present, which was before I ever met you. You came to San Diego and did a thing that lasted once, like this photo expo they did in San Diego. I remember it was amazing because you had a ballerina like come across the stage and I think the SB 800 had just come out or, you know, Nikon had just released a new flash and you had three of them being held up in the audience and it was like, ta-da, and then the shot comes up and here's this ballerina frozen in midair, you know, shot on stage. And it was like, oh my God, A, I need to buy like seven of those things. Then I saw the price and bought one. Um, and two, you go home and you're like, let's just try it. Let's just work it. I, I saw this guy do it live on stage and it works. So there's got to be a way to do it. It's not, can't be rocket scientist. He's not a, he's a photographer. He's not a, yeah. you know, he's as my, as my wife refers to you and don't take this the wrong way. She still refers to you as Joe McNumnuts. That's <laughs> excellent. excellent. That's, <laughs> that's, that's literally, you know, like it was, you've said it once and that's been, you know, oh, you're speaking to McNumnuts. I'm like, yes. <laughs> That's, it is. Know. It's it's a lot about a state of mind. It's it's a lot of about trying to lose your fear of failure too, because that's always there. And and um, you know I've I've blown up in front of five hundred people and shot poorly. And at the end of a day like that, you think like yeah, you know, all right. The great thing about photography is you put the cameras over your shoulder, you go out the next day. So um, there's redemption in that. And and also uh, as has been famously said, I forget who said it, failure is a form of progress. You know, yeah. you're always learning. You're always learning. So, so happy to hear that and, and uh, happy to, in a small way to contribute. That's, uh, uh, you know, just part of the deal uh, is, is sharing all this information, stumbling around a little bit, and then you end up with a photograph. <laughs> <laughs>
How did you find that online experience, Joe? Because um, obviously your speciality is being in front of people. The thing you did with Scott, was that your first online conference that you'd done or had you managed to sneak in one before then? No, that was it. I mean, I've done some Zoom appearances, you know, like here, but that was the first really online kind of deal. And I was totally reliant on, you know, the Kelby technology. They they sent a crew from Florida because they have, you know, they know how to do it, you know. Mm. My responsibility was to find a studio in Connecticut that had the broadband that could accommodate. Yeah. And we did that reasonably well. Um, and then uh, and then we just kind of went for it. And yeah, I mean, I've, it wasn't all that unlike doing a video, say, for Kelby training. Because yeah. you're looking at a camera and explaining yourself. It's just at that moment, it's being seen. You know, it's not pre-recorded. So, so it wasn't, um, you know... Uh, it was good. I mean, I, you know, I'd rather, obviously, rather be with people because that feedback is wonderful. But uh, in the interim, it was kind of cool. Yeah, I think it's been a good um, middle ground. But, you know, when you've got conferences that are talking about landscape photography, outdoor photography, sports photography, like all these things you can't actually do at the moment, <laughs> it, it, it's it's like, how do you make that work? But if I've seen anything over a year, it's the consumption of people still willing to learn and adopting this online way of doing things. You know, we always just say Skype, Skype each other, and now we all say Zoom. You know, it's, right. it, it's one of those things that people are now getting used to this online world is actually we can share this knowledge online. We can jump on a Zoom call with, you know, the photographer and other people and, and listen and and watch and you're not missing out it's just that you know when you can go back to people it's great but for now it's it's just becoming second nature for people like kind of asking oh is, is this conference online or in person because this this conference is starting to announce i think like i said the, the photography show is planning to be live in september that would have been two and a half years since the last one mm, wow yeah yeah I mean, the, the world definitely uh, definitely went on hiatus there. Um, <laughs> the photography world was no different. But I'm I'm really happy to see both of you guys because, yeah. like, here it is. We, you know, quote unquote, we made it. You know, or, yeah. or we are. You know, we're kind of we're still hanging in there. So that's that's a really good thing. And different kinds of work have come to the fore too. Um, you know, uh, lots of uh, there, there's folks who are directing shoots remotely even you know and that's that's a whole new wrinkle as well so yeah i mean i think this if, if there is any small good side to all of this it's given us all a chance to sort of rethink what we do and who we are and and prepare you know for the future yeah and uh, and annie's been keeping busy like you said as well as she discovered any new skills or talents in in the time that she's been at home with you because well, she's obviously a very accomplished mm -hmm. photographer as well. Yeah, I mean, Annie's a working photographer. Sure, sure. Well, we, you know, she has just been marvelous at kind of uh, steering the ship in lots of ways, you know. Um, and she has done a deep dive into uh, social media strategies and kind of, you know, analytics and looking at where audiences are and stuff like that. And that's, that's really valuable. Um, and the two of us, you know, we've always we're best friends and we're good collaborators. So when we tackle something, you know, I, I'm kind of the, the balloon that floats away, <laughs> you know, pulls me back in and says, no, we're, we're heading this direction, you know, which is great because 
she's super organized. And um, kind of the flip side of that, we meet in the middle and it's a good kind of way that, you know, I'll come up with an idea and she'll kind of shape that idea. You know, and that, that's been a great collaboration. And also she's been experimenting in the kitchen. Oh, that's good. And I gotta tell you, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> She was always a good cook. Now she's a great cook. You know? um, so that's been kind of fun. We've been experimenting with that. And I try to help out when I can. And, the, and there you're having some work done on the house as well. We, yeah. We were, yeah, we were chatting it, before you had some noise in the background. Is that just a, another project to keep going until kind of well, hopefully, long overdue? Hopefully, not. Hopefully, hopefully a couple of weeks that'll be done. Um, and then, you know, I've kind of short as i said short the studio up a bit i threw out a tremendous amount of stuff um like a dump truck and a half of stuff that had wow. accumulated over the years i mean you guys know it's like you know you get that fever and it's like oh i just i really need this piece of stuff, <laughs> you know and then it ends up in the garage oh you know <laughs> and and you're not using it and, the, and then it's been so long since you've even seen it, you can't even remember why you got it or how it works, you know? Um, and why you've got two of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, well, I need a backup for this. Yeah. We, uh, we did a lot of cleaning out of the garage. We have a really large garage. And when we first moved into this house, it was a part studio and part like hangout place. And over the years, it morphed into a uh, full-time giant storage of crap place mm. and i made my wife a promise that before uh the end of february i think it was i would clean it out so she could turn it back into a gym she we have a treadmill and we have some some weights and she's really into yoga and so it needed to be cleaned out and um Dave would be calling me and I'd be like, no, man, it's garage day today. <laughs> yeah. back. And you pull out a bin and you've got every single power cord <laughs> that has belonged to all the devices that you no longer have any need for. But you never know when you're going to need to have that, you know, like six prong. Yeah cord from some and, it, and this it, is I for threw... the fax machine <laughs> <laughs> i i got rid of i mean literally uh, 10 tubs of you know old electro and i hold on to electronics because for some reason i think they're going to be useful forever you know and like, the boxes they came in and all the boxes and you know it was um it was yeah. amazing how much space i got back it was it was quite it was quite an amazing journey to, um, you know, to, to get rid of all that stuff. And, and uh, uh, on a bonus side, my wife is very happy and she has her workout space and I actually know where all my tools are. So that was a, a real bonus. But I found parts of light stands. I'm telling you, like just the top end of a rod with like one screw missing. And in my head, I went, I'll find that screw. <laughs> you know, that's the that's the mentality. I will go find that, you know, one little locking nut that's going to keep this all together. And she would just look at me from the other side of the room and I'd be like, "Okay, never mind." In the box it went and sure, you know. Yeah, so, you have to be cruel, you know. You have to oh, I didn't know. when was the last time I used it? You know, slap yourself and throw it away. You know? <laughs> you know? But I've never used it. It's still in the wrapping. I'm yeah. you know. The yeah. uh, so um what is what has got you excited moving forward what like like when you like i'm i'm excited to have concerts again i'm also excited to see some of the new technology that's been coming out 
and um I know, I know it's geeky as hell but like the idea that i can download something onto an ipad and actually edit it properly and and give it to my client right because a lot of times i'm shooting and people want things literally while the show's still going on mm. so like i'm i'm a little geeked about i'm not buying any of the new stuff yet because i have no use for it but you know there's camera announcements and lens stuff and um that still gets me kind of um excited about what you know what's in the pipeline coming down is there anything out there that you're like no i'm good or you know i'm looking forward to to being able to play with this stuff um yeah i mean uh, one thing i've been jazzed about it's not an, uh, a brand new thing but and you guys please hold your hold your laughter um you know i've been um doing uh, a lot with capture one and that's not a laughing matter. I'm really involved in it, but I've never, I've never had really good retouching skills. That's what I'm saying. You know, I've never, I've never been kind of uh, 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 Photoshop, you know, oh my God, Photoshop deep end of the pool. And over this past year, I've been involved with Capture One, really good folks. And I've really had the time to sort of dive into a, a into a post-production program. And so now, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's very cool because they have so many features now that you can go tether to computer, to edit, to done, you know, without making any sort of stops into other programs and stuff like that. We've used the tether program for a long time, but now I'm really doing a lot of, uh, again, the archival work and the scanning and running it through Capture One, which has been um, I, I'm like a kid with a new toy, which sounds really, really dumb, I know, but, but I'm excited about that uh, and being able to just not have to ship stuff out uh, to, to be retouched. I mean, some stuff we still do, like high-end fashion stuff, skin work, that's way beyond my capacity. Mm. But certain basic kind of editing um, really, you know, bring in some stuff I hadn't looked at in a long time back to life. That's been fun. Um, I'm excited about the Z9. You know, oh, yeah. you know, excited about that. I I would like to be excited about the Tokyo Olympics. You know, I leave <laughs> on July 5th and I had kind of gotten myself to like, okay, yeah, I had some talks with uh, friends involved with the IOC and a couple weeks ago, everything's fine, 100% credentialed. And then Japan declared a state of emergency like three days ago. Yeah, so that. So, yeah, so I'm trying to not get excited, you know, and stay realistic, even though uh, I had high hopes, you know, Tokyo was going to be my last Olympics and, and I thought it would be a good one to sort of go out on, you know, in terms of an Olympic, you know, not that I, I, I've shot many Olympiads, but, but I've shot a few and they're just, um, you, you go on sheer adrenaline for, you know, 30 days or whatever, you know and you're working 20 hours a day for 30 straight days. There's no days off, there's nothing, you know, you just charge. And at the end of it, you kind of look back at the body of work that you created and it's kind of fun. Um, so we'll see if that happens. I don't know, uh, we'll see what happens. It will be historical if nothing else. If you are there, it will be kind of that first post pandemic Olympics. And I mean, we're, obviously we've got sports coming back now around the world with no fans um of you know very i think in england now we've just started introducing some fans back into the stadiums and i know photographers that have still been out shooting the games and they've said it's so eerie and odd to to be still doing what they that they're hired to do but they've said it, it 
also feels wrong with with no crowd with no backdrop you know it's sure. a backdrop of, of plain seats so it'd be interesting to see what happens with the olympics and how many people they allow in and and how that pans out but at least it will be a historic event in that respect that if it is your last one it will be the first of a kind that you've ever done before hopefully the last yeah. <laughs> we'll see we'll see what happens but yeah there's stuff in the pipe that you know, as we come back to life, um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a Nikon shooter, you know, and, and um, the roadmap ahead has some, you know, I never thought I'd embrace mirrorless in a thorough way, but I'm basically shooting all mirrorless now and, and that's just going to get better. So that's kind of exciting, you know, technology keeps marching forward. Yeah. It's hard to keep track of sometimes. And it won't be such heavy gear on your shoulders as well. Oh, that's, <laughs> you know, they, they say that until you actually start loading up the, you know, 70 to to, 20, to 200s and the battery grips and everything else. And then the weight is suddenly back up there. And um, I, I, I did a shoot on Saturday for some friends. Uh, their oldest daughter is graduating from college and their younger daughter is graduating from high school this year. So we did kind of a combined shoot and took them out and um and i'm not shooting mirrorless yet because i wasn't upgrading anything over the last couple of years um and i finally realized why i wanted it because i couldn't see the monitor um yeah i couldn't see the monitor anymore on the back of the can my d850 because i keep having to take the glasses on and off and my glasses are um sun sensitive so they turned into sunglasses halfway during the shoot and I couldn't see the monitor on the screen anymore and I missed that mirrorless thing where I could look through the viewfinder and actually preview the images inside of the camera and I was suddenly like sitting there going okay <laughs> make a list <laughs> this is, this is going to be high up on there because now that I I have the glasses issue I'm having an issue seeing previews and uh so yeah there's there's little technology things in there that i'm really looking forward to but well hopefully joe we will see you heading back towards our shores well at least my shores because alan's already got you he's spoiled <laughs> um hopefully safely uh we'll see you and annie back here before too long um we have we have a trip scheduled for the fall excellent you know? so fingers crossed on that as well you know well I, I can hold stuff like this, so at least that Alan, at least Alan and I can both say we've assisted Joe McNally on the shoot because <laughs> we did that wonderful one at the um, uh, the uh, railway place, didn't we? Yes, did that was fun. Yeah, so yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll see you in the fall and everything will be getting back to normal. It'd be lovely to see you up close and personal again, and um, and just hope between now and then everything starts to ease out for you both uh thank you for your, for your time joe just such a pleasure such a, always a pleasure to to chat to you and, and have you as the first guest to be three times on the show as well so i do appreciate your time well it's my honor thank you very much and it's really great to see you guys even if it's telephonically or telepathically or <laughs> technologically or whatever you want to call it great to you guys and yeah. uh yeah as we all say now hopefully soon in person yeah Nice, cool. And send our love to Annie as well. Will do. She sends it right back. Lovely. Thank you very much, Joe. Thanks. Joe. All right. Be good, you guys. Thank you. We'll see you. All right. Cheers.